What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode uh, seven of Tennis Talk. I know that I was gonna. I said a couple of weeks ago that we we're gonna do uh, new ones in the new season, but I had a couple ideas and uh, thought we'd discuss uh, probably in the next two, maybe three weeks. We'll discuss ranking um, and just go through uh, all the top twenty, just so we can get an idea of going into the new season, who to look out for where they came from, how they got to where they are uh, in 2018. Uh, we obviously know the story of Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, Zverev, Del Potro. Um, pretty much the top 10, we know how they got there, but we don't really know anything about 11 to 20. So I thought that this would be a good time to uh, add a couple of episodes to the podcast and go through uh, those players that we don't really know too much about. A lot of young players seem to have broken out this year. Sitsipas, Hashinov, Chorich to an extent, um, Medvedev. We don't really know too much um, about those guys, so I thought I'd do a bit of an exercise, break it down, uh, find out how they got to where they are uh, during this season. A lot of them started you know, around 50 to 100, um, and then they've all broken through. And then we'll also go through uh, where I think they'll be next year and how they'll go next year. Um, just to kind of give us an idea of going into the new season, who the top 20 are, uh, a lot of changes, um, not too many changes to the top 10. I think we've got a lot of familiar names. I'll go through those as well. That'll be next week. This week will be we're going to 20 to 11, and then next week will be part two where we go uh, top 10, so 10 to 1, um, and we'll break down those guys as well. So, um, yeah, so we'll go through those guys today. If you've gone to the website, uh, that's in the link in the description. You can check out, I've done all the articles for this, um, which goes into a lot of detail. Uh, it's like a tournament by tournament breakdown of um, how that player did in that tournament um, and then where their ranking was, who they lost to, who they beat along the way if they got through uh, to a quarterfinal or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so if you want a thorough breakdown of each of these, where are they, on this side? Whoop, there we go. If you want um, of the top 20, Go to the website. If you're listening to this on the podcast, the website, um, you have to go to the YouTube channel to go to the website, um, and, uh, and and you can see it there and read it there. Uh, or you can go to the Facebook page um, and uh, and find out through uh, through the website. I think through that way. I'm not I'm not quite sure, but yeah. Uh, come to the YouTube channel and you'll find the website on, on here. So uh, a lot of breakdown, a lot of work being put into that as well. So. Um, definitely go in and, and check it out just to give yourself an idea of who who these new characters in the tennis world are and, and also a breakdown. Of it. It's good to go look at the, the guys who are at the top of the game and how they got there. You know, Zverev, we know he won the last tournament of the year, but what else did he do during the year? That's, uh, it, was, it was a good exercise for myself to get familiar with, um, with the new guys and uh, just get an idea of how the old guys were doing this year. You know, Djokovic, Surprisingly, had a terrible start. Like, um, lost so many early matches, but then finished so dominant. So it's really um, it's interesting to see his ranking uh, go from uh, I think it was started at like a 15, and then went down, and then went back up, and uh, obviously finished finished the year at number one. So go check that out. Um, if you don't want to do that, this is the podcast. We're going to go through all of those people right now. Uh, and then over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be releasing individual videos um, on the YouTube channel. So if you're listening to this, go to the channel, 
and uh, and it will be person by person breakdown. So um, if you don't want to, you don't really care about the whole top twenty, and you only want to know about a couple of players, then uh, that'll be coming your way as well. So before we start, I thought we'd go through um, just a review because this is sort of a a season review of um, 2018. So I thought. Might as well go through the people who retired this year. Um, I was surprised. There's a couple of names I didn't realize who retired. So um, I knew about the Australians who retired, obviously. Uh, I heard about Max Murney the, uh, in, it was like during this week. He retired. Doubles player. Uh, played a bit of singles. I think he... Um, the only tournament I can remember him winning is the 2000 US Open. I think he won with Leighton Hewitt. Um, he was a big... Uh, he, he, I think he reached number one in the world. He won a bunch of tournaments. Good doubles player. Uh, but other players who retired, um, Julian Beneteau from France retired. He's um, He's been around the top 20 for a long time. You know, uh, It says here that he reached the 2006 French Open semi-finals. Uh, sorry, quarterfinals. So that's not too bad. So he had a, you know, had a pretty good career. Um, but yeah, so he retired... Uh, Alejandro Fella, um, I'm 100% sure who he is. He's from Colombia. Um, top 50 player. It says here he won 11 challenges, uh, played Davis Cup. Um, fourth round of the, US, uh, the French Open in 2011. So he he retired this year as well. Uh, Sam Groth, I knew he had retired because obviously being in Australia, um, he retired. He had an okay career. I think he had a bit of a stop. Like I think he, he took a year or two off in the middle of his career to go play uh, a different sport, so um, good comeback there. I think he, one of his highlights, uh, he was a good Davis Cup uh, player. He's very happy with that. Um, I think one of his highlights was he played, he got a set off Federer at Wimbledon, and um, it was a big deal. So, uh, and he also recorded the fastest serve in the world. So, if you haven't seen that, I think it was in a challenger event, but still counts. Uh, Tommy Haas retired this year. Uh, yeah, I think we've heard we heard about that. He retired was middle of the year or the start of the year. Yeah, um, you know, good player. Got to the number two in the world. Uh, won a silver medal at the Sydney Olympics in two thousand. Um, he's been around forever. You know, he had some good matches. I think against like Federer and those kind of guys in Grand Slam. So interesting. Uh, he retired. Played for a long, long time. So good. Uh, Good champion. Uh, Scott Lipsky, I'm not sure who he is. Um, American. He uh, played, uh, looks like he played mainly doubles, mixed doubles. Uh, he won the mixed doubles tournament in the French Open in 2011. So he is retired, uh, finished this year at the French Open. Uh, Marinko Matosovic. Now, I was talking to somebody the other day about him uh, and if he can come back and all this kind of stuff. He's retired, so he's not coming back. Um, if you're not familiar with him, uh, Australian player, uh, not you know, not one of the best players. You know, I think he probably got to about close to 50 in the world at one point. Um, but yeah, it didn't really um, kind of like Groth was just one of those you know solid players. Uh, Florian Mayer from Germany. Um, he was always an awkward person to uh, to play against uh, for the top guys. So uh, interesting to see. I think you know. Came on tour at 2001, so one of the older guys on tour won a couple of titles, a couple of Grand Slam quarterfinals, and uh, retired at the US Open. Uh, Jürgen Meltzer, I knew he had retired because um, they were talking about 
him uh, in one of the last events of the year. Um, he'd been around forever as well. Good doubles player, good singles player. Uh, highlight uh, was getting to in, I think singles. He got to like the semi-finals of the Wimbledon, I think. I'm percent sure. Uh, Jules Muller, he retired. Another guy, uh, left left-hander, a little bit awkward. I think he took he beat Nadal in a match a couple of years ago at uh, Wimbledon. Really big uh, upset there. Um, so that was um, was it last year or the year before? Not hundred percent sure. Maybe it was last year. But yeah, he um he's retired. He's he's been around forever. Uh, Daniel Nestor, one of the best doubles players of all time, he retired. Uh, this year as well, um, retired after the Davis Cup this year. Um, where I think his his career, I think he, how long had he been around for? He'd been around for almost twenty five years or something crazy. Um, Andre Saar, I think he was a doubles player as well, uh, and he didn't play a little bit of singles, but I think he was mainly a doubles guy. Um, he goes to the quarterfinal of the Wimbledon, um, so that's interesting. Um, I don't know who this is. And uh, Adrian Unger, um, seems like a solid player. Um, again, one of those kind of, you know, really good challenges players. Ranked in the top 100 for a long time, but didn't really do much. Uh, and then the last one here is Mikhail Yuzhny, uh, who I think around the, around the end of 2000s, he was sort of one of those players that was top 10. Just here, ranking high of number eight at two, uh, in 2008. Um, I think one of his big wins was a, a Nadal victory. He beat Nadal at um, the US Open. He might have got to like the semifinals on the way, and he either beat Nadal or he pushed Nadal to the. Can't remember, but yeah, he. I remember him being around. I think I've actually got his autograph. <laughs> I got it at the Australian Open a couple of years ago, so uh, well, a long time ago, probably ten years now. But um, yeah, so. He retired as well. He played some doubles as well um, and retired at the St. Petersburg Open at the end of the year. So they're the guys that retired. I thought I'd just pay a little bit of a tribute to those guys. Um, I'm sure the list will grow as the next couple of weeks go on. Um, for some reason, I'm thinking that David Ferrer retired, but obviously not. So um, he maybe he just hasn't announced it yet. But, um, yeah, so they're all the guys that have um, – have retired this year. Uh, good luck to, to them in their careers. You know, most most of them probably go on to be coaches or open academies or that kind of stuff. That's what they seem to do these days. So we'll see what happens. All right. Now let's get back to the ranking review. So uh, if you go to the website, like I said, you can check out all these already. I've done all the breakdowns already, all the way up to number one. So all the way up to Djokovic. Uh, but over the next couple of weeks on the podcast, we're going to be breaking it down two lots of 10 and right now we're going to be doing the 20 to 11 so let's start with number 20 world there we go all right so uh interesting story marco cicinato um player i'd never heard of before didn't, hasn't really lit the world on fire before this year. Um, and even this year, like going through his his breakdown, it's very interesting to see that, um, you know, uh, how he got to number 20 in the world, um, you know, based off 
pretty much one tournament. Um, really, really strange. Uh, start of the world at number 106, I think. Uh, if you go to the website, you can check that out. 106 in the world and rose all the way to number 20. So uh, along with uh, Pass, one of the biggest uh, jumps in the ranking uh, in terms of the top 20. Uh, finished the year at 23 wins, 23 losses. Uh, if you go through the rank, it will, if you go through all the tournament breakdown, it's uh, he lost a lot of first rounds, um, which was very strange, considering he played a lot of clay court events and that's his preferred surface. Big wins over uh, he beat Fognini, he beat Goffin, who um, actually Goffin. Dropped a lot in the rankings. We're not going to be able to talk about him because he's not in the top 10. But Goffin, good player to start the year off. Uh, and Cicinato beat him. And obviously at the uh, at uh, Roland Garros, he beat Djokovic. So that's an, he's probably his biggest win uh, of his career. Uh, also won two titles along the way. His first two titles, uh, I think one was in Hungary and one was in... Um, Croatia, both on clay, obviously. Uh, a strange thing about Cicinato was that he, only, I don't think he won any matches on hard court. Actually, I'll go through, the, let me just go through the breakdown. I'll see if I can find where he, if he actually won many, he didn't win many matches, which is not great. Not great, because most of the tour is on hard court, so if you can't win on that, um, yeah. It's going to be tough, which is strange because he made it to the top 20. Uh, he's got as high as 19 in the world as well. So um, that was his career high. Must have just dropped over uh, down to 20 over the last couple of weeks. Um, so let's just check it out. So won both of his things. He, uh, so, yeah, semifinals of Roland Garros was the highlight for him, beating Djokovic on the way. Uh, and what I think is going to happen for him in 2019, um, I think he's gonna—he's not going to be here. We're not going to be talking about him ne- this time next year. I don't think. I think that he relies—he relied a lot on his ranking. Relied a lot on the semi-final, the Roland Garros. His match rank, his match, uh, his match win-loss ratio ratio was 23-23. And a lot of, which shows that he lost a lot of first rounds, uh, like I said. And also he um, he won two titles and he got to the semifinals of, of the French Open. So those are pretty much what makes up his 23 wins. And if he can't back that up, he's not going to be able to stay. I mean, there's a lot of, it gives him a lot of potential because he has no points on most of the other surfaces, like hard court. Uh, he only won four matches on hard court and he lost 12. So he has a lot of potential if he can make, in turn, his game uh, around and become a hard court player instead of just a clay court specialist. But if he can't turn his, uh, if he can't translate his game to the to the hard courts, I don't think he'll be here next year. I think he'll definitely probably drop uh, after the French Open. He'll stay in the top 25, 30 for the start of the season. Doesn't have any points to defend, so if he can get to maybe a semi, a semi-final, maybe if he can get to like a third or fourth round of, of a um, the Australian Open, or if he can get to like a second or third round and wins the matches on the hard courts, maybe he can sustain his ranking. But I think once he gets to the French Open, unless he can 
get to another semi-final, which is very highly unlikely. I think uh, I think he drops outside the top, maybe the top 50. You know, um, yeah. So unless he can translate his game, I don't think we're going to see him uh, after the French Open. He'll be he'll be lost from the top 20. But uh, like I said, a lot of potential to to grow. But I think probably not going to not going to be around, unfortunately. Um, a fun fact about Cicinato is that he was banned for 12 months with a match fixing um, incident a couple of years ago. So good comeback, you know, coming from um, you know a controversy of of you know that uh, match fixing scandal, and then a couple of years later making the semifinals of the French Open and uh, making it to, to the top 20 in the world. You know, it's a good effort. Um, and him alongside Fognini is a good Davis Cup team. So you know, too bad. That is Cicinato, Marco Cicinato's year. All right, let's talk about Grigor Dimitrov. So, start of the year, this time last year, he, as you can see there, won the uh, champion, uh, the ATP finals. So, this time last year, we were looking at Dimitrov as a Grand Slam champion for 2018, you know, um, potential to beat. You know, with Djokovic not being around, potential to, you know, make a final of a Grand Slam uh, and all that kind of stuff. You know, he was he was pushed. It's kind of like how everyone's looking at Zverev right now. He's like the next guy. Everyone was thinking Dimitrov's going to win. Um, but as you can see, he dropped to 19. He started the year at number three. So there's a minus 16 um, drop. And uh, he started the season off not too bad. You know, he, he did have a lot of expectation on his shoulders because of that ATP uh, finals win in 2017. Uh, he's, he finished the year at 24 and 19, so a lot of losses. But I don't think he played that many tournaments. He kind of, I don't know, I don't know if it was an injury break or if he took a, a sort of like a mental health break or whatever you want to call it, a, a, um, some away time from the tour um, during the year as well. So, you know. That did factor in the, you know, and also not making the ATP finals. He lost a lot of points, which dropped him, you know, 10 spots at the very last week of the year. Um, but yeah, let's, you know, we'll have a look at what he's been up to. So, started the year off pretty strong. Uh, got, you know, got to the quarterfinals of the Australian Open in the first um, tournament of the year. Lost to Edmund, so not a not a terrible loss. Edmund finished in the top twenty, so you know, hindsight, not a terrible loss. Uh, then got to the final of Rotterdam and lost to Federer, so again, not a bad result. Um, but that's kind of where it ended, and everything went downhill from there. Uh, he didn't really do anything for the rest of the season. Uh, a lot of first round losses. Um, he got super unlucky. He had to play Stan Wawrinka in both the U.S. Open and Wimbledon, so he had to. Imagine, you know, Stan was coming on the comeback as well. So Stan was un unranked, unseated uh, at those events. So you're coming up against a guy you'd probably expect in a quarterfinal and you've got to play him in back-to-back -back Grand Slams um, championship. So it was a little bit tough and he lost the first round both times to Stan. So that was um, super, uh, super unlucky for Dimitrov. Um, and I think after the US Open loss, he kind of, Took a cup. He took a break, or he got injured. I can't remember, but um, yeah, kind of stepped away to recover from injury, whatever. And um, 
And, yeah, then kind of couldn't really find his feet towards the end of the year. He lost to Chilich late in the year. He couldn't make the finals, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, started off strong. Doesn't have many points to defend after the first part of the year. So if he can get back to, you know, a solid uh, fourth round or quarterfinal of Australian Open, uh, it depends on the draw. Hopefully, you know, gets a little bit lucky with the draw. His second half of the year has so much potential to, you know, doesn't have any points to defend. So um, early on, we might not see Dimitrov do too well, just and he might drop, just because he does have a lot of, you know, I think he got to like a semi-final in the first week of the year, quarterfinals of the Australian Open, final of Rotterdam, and then after that, he kind of just dropped. So I think uh, if he can somehow maintain his ranking in the top 20 after the first uh, couple of months, then he might be able to... Um, restart his season and go back up or restart his rise and go back up to you know, top 10. He's got that potential. Like he hasn't lost any, you know, uh, he's not, he's a great player. Like there's no, he got to number three in the world beating good players. He's just had a, he just had a, an off year this year. Maybe it was a, a bit of a, a bit of a hangover from the year before such a massive rise, got to number three in the world and uh, won the you know, 2017 ATB finals. And then all the expectation of, you know, this is the next guy. And then he came in and couldn't live up to the expectation. Maybe that was something. And then this year, no one's going to be talking. Next year, sorry, nobody's going to be talking about him. So I think um, I think that, uh, yeah, that he might be a sneaky chance to, to go deep in some tournaments if he can, um, can maintain his, his ranking and uh, motivation and get lucky with some tournaments maybe, you know, maybe get – Putting a good part of a drawer and and have a solid run. Uh, so as for yeah, as for 2019, um, I think he stays inside the top 20, depending on that first part of the year how he goes. You can back it up. You can back it up. If he does um, if he does lose early at the Australian Open, um, let's say second, third round, uh, he'll probably drop out the top 30. He loses a lot of ranking points there. Uh, but, you know, he might even, if he comes in unseated as a player in the French Open or something, that's dangerous, you know. He's a dangerous, dangerous player, and you don't want to be playing him as a seeded player. Kind of like what Vavrinka did this year to him. Him being like that to other players could be interesting. Um, but if he can hold on early, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that he can stay stay relevant, stay seeded, and then towards the end of the year push towards push toward, back towards the top 10. He's a solid top 10 player. Um, on his day, you can't, um, you know, he, just because he's had one bad year doesn't mean he's he's gone. Uh, he's only 27, you know, as you can see, if you're, if you're watching this, 27. Um, and he's still, I, I think he's still a serious threat for grand, uh, to win Grand Slams. Um, I know everyone's going to be hot on Zverev this year, but I think that Dimitrov's the guy that could, um, could fly under the radar, and I think that's probably where he li- would like to be. He doesn't want to, as we've seen at the start of the year, he doesn't want to be the, you know, one of the favourites going into a tournament. He's better off just kind of like, you know, being, you know, talked about in the conversation, but not mentioned as the next guy. And maybe that might help him. Um, and I think, yeah, I think maybe that this time next year we're going to see him back in the top ten. And who knows, he might have made a semi-final of Wimbledon or. Another, or maybe a final of something, or he's definitely going to win some tournaments, I feel, next year. Didn't win any of this year. He'll win some next year. Um, 
And yeah, I think we'll be talking about Dimitrov back in the top 10 uh, this time next year. All right, number 18 is Milos Raonic, another player similar to Dimitrov that has um, dropped off lately, uh, mainly due to injury, though. It's not with Dimitrov, it was probably just a little bit of a rise too fast. Again, he's 27 years old as well. Um, I think it was 2016 was his kind of, maybe it was 2015, 16. That were his highlights where he, you know, reached Grand Slams uh, semifinals, did really, really well. And uh, since then, he's kind of dropped off, you know, settled around the top 20. Uh, started the year at number 24. So he has, you know, gone up six places in the, in the rankings. Um Interesting. It's it's kind of similar to how I think John Isner might go this year. It's how Raonic has had the last couple of years. Um, I think Isner's probably going to drop down and settle back down in that top 20 role. And I think maybe that's what happened to Raonic. He had such a great rise uh, a couple of years ago with a couple of good Grand Slam results and wins. And then now he's kind of just settled. Um, so, yeah, so he's he's gone up a little bit again. You know, nothing special. A lot of injuries this year. That's the problem with Rayonic. Um, his body failed him a lot this year. I think he pulled out of like two, three events. Um, missed a massive chunk of the season. Um, I think he missed, might have missed Roland Garros. Let's check. Um, yeah, he went from uh, losing in Madrid to then coming to the grass court. So he completely missed over uh, the French Open, which... Um, Means he doesn't have many points to defend. Also lost early at the Australian Open. I think he lost first round. First round of the Australian Open. So he has no points to defend at the start of the year. Um, which, you know, which is, um, yeah, which is good because that means he can, you know, come back. His, his um, head-to-head, uh, not head-to-head, his win-loss was 32-15. and 15. So not a bad, you know, not a bad season. You know, only lost 15 matches, 132. You know, if he played a full season, he might have won four, over 40 matches and he might be in the top 15. So not too bad. You know, injury just you know, stuffed him around. Uh, he got to the final of Stuttgart, which uh, he lost to Federer. So, again, not a bad result. It's on the grass, which is what uh, what he prefers. Uh, he beat uh, Dimitrov, Schwartzman, and Vavrinka. So pretty solid there. You know, beat guys that are around him, beat danger guys like Vavrinka. So... Yeah, solid season. Uh, again, as I keep saying, injury let him down um, uh, towards the end of the year. So you know, well, I think I think he also finished the year with an injury as well. So he stopped early as well. He was gonna when he was in Paris. I think he was supposed to play Federer, but then retired. So um, yeah, but you know, had a good run at the U.S. Open, good run at Wimbledon. Got stopped, I think. Um, but let me just check. Uh, lost to Isner at, at Wimbledon fourth round, so not a, in five sets as well, so not a terrible you know, loss. And also lost to Isner in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. So uh, Isner beat him at the both at both the last tournaments. Um, so you know that's got to be encouraging. Uh, but then he finished the year with an elbow injury, so don't know how serious that will be. Hopefully, you know, not too crazy. Um, but yeah, I think for next year he um, 
if he can be healthy, I think he can definitely push towards the top ten. You know, he um he knows how to play those big big guys. He's played, you know. I mean, if if Kevin, no disrespect, but if Kevin Anderson can be in the top ten, Milos Raonic is equally as good. So you know, I feel like if he can string wins together and he can um, beat players he's supposed to beat and stay healthy, I think he can push towards the top ten. Um, but you know, he's probably a ranked about where his you know he should be. He's probably a, he's probably about a top fifteen player if you put all the players. Uh, together in the world, uh, all the active players in the world that are, you know, when they're healthy, like Murray and Vavrinka, if they got, they were healthy, you know, you know, you put them all together, you'd probably put uh, Rayonic maybe at like 15, 16 uh, in terms of talent and um, and just on based on results. So, um, but yeah, I think he can push towards the top 10. Hopefully he can, you know, stay healthy. Um, he has uh, he has to defend points in Indian Wells and Miami at the start of the year, so it's a little bit tricky. Um, but if he can get over that, you know, with maybe he can compensate with a good, you know, fourth round of the Australian Open, um, and also having no points to defend in at Roland Garros. If he can get to maybe a third round, he can probably he can probably stay where he is or, or get a little bit higher uh, in the rankings. Um, but yeah, you know, he's troubled. You know, he's troubled guys like Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic in the past. So I feel, you know, at Grand Slams, he's not someone that they would want to play. Early in the year, uh, in the tournament. So, yeah. So I think you know, it'd be an interesting year. Um, hopefully, he can stay healthy. He's a good player to watch. So, we'll see what happens. Number seventeen now is Diego Schwartzman. Um, interesting player. Um, I'm actually taller than him, which makes it, which makes him easy, even more interesting to watch. I like watching the shorter players on tour because it kind of gives everyone hope. Um, all the average height people out there that uh, it's not a big man's game. You can be a short person and still make it into the top twenty of the world. So, uh, yeah, very interesting. Started the year at number twenty-six in the world, got all the way up to number eleven. I think it was at the start of this year. A career high ranking. Uh, finish, uh, finished the year at 17, won uh, 33 matches, lost 25, so uh, a little bit, uh, probably needed to win a little bit more matches, um, which is, you know, he won a lot more early and then kind of finished the year off a little bit slow. Uh, he won a title, I think it was in Czech. Won a title in... I want to say it was in yeah Rio. He beat Vadasco in the final, um, and uh, obviously on the clay courts. So did really well there. Uh, what else happened during the year? Let me just check. I think he got to the quarterfinals of yeah he got to the quarterfinals of Roland Garros. Lost to Nadal. I think he won the first set against Nadal, which everyone was kind of freaking out about. And then he um he fell away. Uh, he beat Monfi, Anderson, and Edmund this year as well. So Impressive wins there against those guys. Um, but, yeah, he's he's one of those players that I think is just starting to turn into the player that everyone might have been thinking about a couple of years ago. Um, I know people were hot on him at the start of the year. Um, I mean, getting a set off Nadal at, on the clay of the French Open, that you know, not many players can do that, So and not many players have done that. Um, so there is something there. He, he, 
especially being a short player, he doesn't have the weapons available. So it's interesting to see someone like that play um, play against those well-known and, and much bigger dudes. You see him stand next to you know Del Potro and stuff like that, and it's hilarious. Um, so uh, yeah, any uh, the thing about the shorter players is that they have uh, a lot of stamina. So you know guys like David Ferrer, Leighton Hewitt, um, who else is there? Uh, Davidenko, those kind of guys that on the shorter end of of the tour and would grind out their matches. They can go five sets. So that's where Schwartzman kind of has a little bit of an advantage over over those other taller guys is that he can go uh, go five sets, you know, round after round, and um, and that's where he can grind out his wins against those better players. Uh, got to the number eleven in the world, as I said. Um, uh, finished the year off. He got to the semifinals in Belgium, which was um, the European Open. Not a bad, not, you know, not a bad. Um, not a bad result, but still, you know, didn't really finish the year off after after he won Rio and got to the quarterfinal or the quarterfinals of Roland Garros. Kind of fell away, didn't do too much towards the end of the year. Um, you know, lost early, lost to some good players. You know, Edmonds, Verev, um, who else did he lose to? Medvedev, uh, Nishikori at the U.S. Open, Vavrinka. So he lost. He's been losing to. Good players, Chilich. There's no shock losses really. Um, once he hit the U.S. Open, just unlucky draws. Um, as for 2019, I think that he uh, he needs to learn to adapt his game on hard court. So he needs to. He's a, obviously a great clay court player, and he proved that this year and won titles on the on the clay. But he needs to learn. As all clay court players need to learn, uh, as Nadal has proven over the years, he has adapted. Don't need to adapt it on the grass. Don't worry about that. Just adapt it to the hard courts. So, I think if he can do that, he can, um, you know, he can get his ranking back up to the top, near the top ten, maybe even break through. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, what have I written here? His uh, his game in the clay solid. Yep. Uh, you know, I think yeah, his ranking is between 15 and 30. That's kind of where I see it. Um, it's about right, uh, unless he can start winning matches on hard court. Um, if he can't replicate his form at Roland Garros next year, then that's going to be a problem because that's a lot of his points were based on that that quarterfinal, and that's where he you know got into the top 20. But if he can, if he can get to you know get to the quarterfinals again, or maybe even get to a semifinal or whatever, he can stay in the top twenty. If he can't do that, he's going to push out. He's going to drop outside the top twenty or thirty. So, which is not not ideal. Um, but yeah, I put him down as uh, you know someone to watch. It'd be interesting to see how he does. Um, you know, this was his best season. Um, you know, is this going to be the best season of his career? And you know, this is kind of the highlight, and then we'll find out over the next few years that he kind of was just an average player. I don't know. So it'll be interesting to watch him next year, um, if he can replicate uh, the success he's had and if he can improve on that. 26 years old, he's not, he's far from done. He's probably halfway through his career, to be honest. So plenty of time left. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes uh, going into the 2019 season.
All right, we are halfway through. At number 16, Daniel Medvedev. So one of the young up-and-coming players. Uh, we're starting to get to the uh, get to the guys that you know have really um, made a mark on the tour this year and sort of the next generation of player um, coming through. So all the guys except for one in the next five uh, five or six players are um, are all up-and-comers and all people we can watch for the future and probably you know be, talent, be talking about these guys for uh, for a lot of years to come. 20, <clears throat> 22 years old. Uh, so very young player. Uh, started the year off with a win. It was um, I think he came from qualifying to win the first tournament of the year in Sydney. So I remember watching that. Obviously being in Australia, so uh, I was following the guy he beat, which was Alex Dimonar, who also had a good year. Didn't make the top twenty, but had a good year. Uh, and then Medvedev came all the way through qualifying to get to the. To get to his first, win his first title, which is ridiculous, you know, it's crazy. I think he did it twice during the year, which is just, just insane. Um, you know, lost early at the Australian Open. You know, then had a little bit of up and down form going into the clay court season. Clay court not being his best um, surface. You know, he's a big, big hitter. You know, tall guy, big serve. Doesn't really work on clay. So he didn't do too much on the clay courts, you know, as you'd expect. Um, and it was it was pretty much from Wimbledon onwards where he his ranking went from about 50 in the world all the way up to finishing in the top uh, in, at number 16. So um, started the year at uh, 65 in the world, so a good little boost of 49 ranking uh, ranking points. So uh, ranking spots, uh, 43 wins, 24 losses. So played a lot of matches this year. Uh, won three titles out of uh, in all the three finals that he played, so pretty impressive. Uh, beat Jack Sock twice, which if you look at the rankings now is not that impressive because Jack Sock's out of the top hundred. Um, but at the time, it was an impressive win to beat Jack Sock uh, early in the year. Beat Nishikori, and he also beat Rayonic. So you know, solid wins against some good players. Also, you know. Played it. Uh, played some tough matches against uh, Zverev. I think he played Chorich a couple of times. Um, yeah, and I think also almost beat Federer at the end of the year as well. Um, in Shanghai, he pushed him to four sets. Um, so yeah, so definitely finished the year off where he started. Uh, just missed out on qualifying for the next gen, just because he. Um, because he's 22, he just uh, just a little bit too old for that. So um, yeah, very good season. Definitely his um, his breakthrough season. Now everyone kind of knows his name. Um, well, maybe not knows his name, but they definitely know of him. They know who he is uh, and his success for the year as well. So interesting. It's been it's been a good year for him, as it has been for many of the you know the young guys coming through. Um, so yeah, started the year off really, really well. Middle of the year was, you know, clay court's not great. Um, but then, you know, finished off strong going to the US Open. And then after the US Open, making a couple of semifinals, winning a title in Japan, um, pushing Federer a couple of times. Um, couple, I think it was semifinals of Basel. Uh, yeah, so really, you know, finished off really strong. Um, and what do I think for 2019? I think that... I think that he has a massive opportunity to um, to really, you know, 
make a mark on the Grand Slam side of things. You know, he'll he'll have um, he'll have a seed, so it means he will avoid a lot of tough early matches. You won't have to play against anyone until maybe the third or fourth round. So if he can get to that stage, I think he can really uh, really do some damage. And that's where you know that's where these players will make their their names is if they can you know get to a quarterfinal or semifinal, and people actually are talking about them. So I think he has the potential to do that. Um, Australian Open, he has he hasn't got many points to defend, but he'll be seeded, so that'll be interesting to see. Uh, doesn't have any wins on clay, so again, he has an opportunity there to maybe string some wins together on clay and adapt, kind of like what Schwartzman has to do on the hard courts. Medvedev has to do on the clay courts. Try and get his game to somehow translate to hard uh, to the clay courts. Maybe get some ranking points there. Um, He'll be getting uh, seeded when he goes in the Masters events, which is a big thing as well. Oh, me. So yeah, and um, yeah, and I think you know, I think he can um, add to his title. He already won three titles this year, um, coming from zero at the start of the year. So I think that he really does have the potential to get some win some more titles. Uh, he's got a solid game. Um, we haven't really seen him beat one of the best players in the world yet, though. That's where I think we're, we're what we're waiting for. You know, he's beaten Nishikori, which is t- a top ten player, but he hasn't beaten. He hasn't got a win over like he nearly beat Federer, but he hasn't got a win over Federer, Nadal, Zverev, Djokovic, or Potro. So I think if we can see him beat, even if he beats like Anderson or Chilich, I, I think that those you know he can, if he can beat a Grand Slam finalist. Or um or a winner, Grand Slam winner. I think that that's when people will start talking about him a little bit more serious. Right now, it's kind of like he had a good year, but hasn't beaten anyone amazing yet. So um we'll see. I think yeah, the first half of the year he's got a lot of a lot of growth, and he can you know he can really just cement himself in the top fifteen um in the world. But um yeah, he's going to have a lot to defend at the end of the year. So we're going to have to he's going to have to have a good solid start of the year to really keep him in the uh in the race at the end of the year as well. So that's what I think's going to happen with him. Um again, you know, young player, if he does have a doesn't have a good year next year, I don't I don't think that'll be the end of him. I think he can come back. He's got a big game, so you can't really um count someone out if they've got a big serve and that kind of stuff. So be interesting to see him uh, coming into next year how he how he starts the year. Okay, so number fifteen now is uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas. So uh, I think it's he might be the youngest player in the top, unless Zverev is still younger. But he might be definitely either first or second youngest player in the top twenty, uh, and. Um, yeah, very uh, interesting rise this year. Um, I'd only heard about him towards the end of the year. I didn't know anything about him at the start of the year, but towards the end of the year was when he really, you know, became a name uh, that I, w- I was paying attention to. So, uh, start of the year at number ninety-one in the world, which is you know seventy-five spots below where he is right now, or seventy-six spots. So, um, got to a career high of fifteen. So he's still at fifteen. Uh, 41 wins, 27 losses, so a lot of uh, a lot of matches. Won his first title in uh, Stockholm, which was only um, a couple months ago, um, which uh, was impressive. 
got to two finals as well. He won the next gen tournament as well, which was at the end of the year. So he was definitely you know favorite to win that, being the best player in the whole uh, tournament. Uh, he got to the final of I think it was the Rogers Cup as well, where he lost to Rafa, and that's where he beat. That's kind of where he made his mark, and he beat Zverev, Anderson, Djokovic, and I think it was Dominic Team all in a row to get to the final against Nadal, who eventually won. But um, that was where it was kind of like this guy is the next guy. That's where he got a lot of his points. Uh, also got to another final. I think it was at the start of the year. Um, but yeah, let's have a look at what. Um, what his highlights of the year were, besides that final, um, which is crazy. Yeah, he beat Anderson, Team, Zverev, and Djokovic all in a row. I mean, uh, I don't know if any other player this year has done that, um, beaten uh, four top ten players in the same tournament to win. Maybe Hashinov at the end of the year. Maybe Hashinov. But um, Pass definitely did it um, at a time where – those guys were all like Anderson was coming off the, um, so Zverev was coming off a solid year, team was coming off a French Open final, Anderson coming off the Wimbledon final, Djokovic coming off the Wimbledon win, and he beat all of them, you know, confident players to get to a final. Um, so super impressive. Um, so that just and it just proves it's kind of what what I was saying about Medvedev. He hasn't got any wins like that, whereas Sitsipas has got those wins. So when he comes up against Anderson, team Zverev kind of looking at him going, okay, well, maybe he, he's done it before. He, can he do it again? Medvedev comes up against these guys. You don't know. He's never beaten them, so you don't know what um, what to expect. So that's where Sitsipas, I think, has more potential next year to, uh, to grow. But we'll get into that in a sec. So he, uh, he reached the quarterfinals of multiple events, uh, beat a bunch of top 10 players, which is very interesting. Uh, that was his highlight. Um, after winning, he won two titles. He won the Next year, he won Stockholm, and then he got to the final of Toronto, which is very impressive. 2019. So I think that um, I think that he's he's done really well in the Masters events. He's done really well in um, you know in the smaller events, but I think he needs to really make his mark on the Grand Slam. So um, that's where everyone will start talking about him. And I think that the Australian Open, because the Australian Open has Australia in general in Melbourne has a big Greek community. And as you see uh, when Marcus Bagdadis plays in Australia and he gets like, you know, a stadium full of people going for him, I think Sitsipas can get that. And I think that might feel, make him feel like he's pl- playing at his home Grand Slam sort of thing. And I think that's where Australian Open is where he'll, he'll play his best. Uh, and, you know, maybe make a quarterfinal next year and, you know, or maybe make a semi final if he can get really lucky. and. Um, that that'll be really interesting to see him play uh, the Australian Open. I'll be he'll be one of my players to watch uh, in that tournament for sure, just because of that whole um, crowd support and stuff like that. Um, see how it affects him in that. Um, he has a big chance to uh, get to a second week of a Grand Slam, uh, Grand Slam for this. You know, like I was just saying, quarterfinals, uh, even a fourth round, not too bad result. Um, and I think I think for this year. Um, he'll either maintain his ranking or he'll push towards the top 10. Maybe he might get in the top 10 for like a couple of weeks and then drop back out. Um, maybe he'll get to a career high ranking, but then settle around the same spot this time next year. Um, but yeah, potential through the roof, uh, matches, match wins to back up that he's a good player, you know, 
beating those top guys. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see him how he comes off his best year. You know, sometimes, a lot of the time, uh, you have your best year and then you come back and you play really bad. So, um, you know, he lost to Medvedev at the U.S. Open. We'll go through Grand Slams. Medvedev U.S. Open, Isner in the fourth round. So of, of Wimbledon. So that's you know, interesting. Uh, lost a team in at Roland Garros. So again, losing to big players at Grand Slams. Not you know, except for Medvedev maybe, but um, you know, not not shock losses at those Grand Slams. And um, and then he lost to Shapovalov in the first round of the of Australian Open. So he has no points to defend at the Australian Open, which is uh, very exciting because that means that he can, if he can get that support uh, from the crowd, and he can also um, and usually when crowd support a player and uh, just because of their nationality like you know Greece and uh, and whatever then the pl- the casual fans are more gravitated towards that because they want to jump on the bandwagon and be a part of the you know the support of the crowd so i feel like if Sitsipas can do well and maybe get to like a round 3 or 4 and he has to play Del Potro for example and you've got a crowd full of greek supporters um, and the crowds all for the the young guy, um, I think that'll be interesting. That could, you know, throw throw someone off, like an, an Anderson or a Del Potro, and then Sitsipas can maybe break through and win. So, uh, we'll see what happens there. He'll be one of my players to watch. Uh, if I end up going to the Australian Open, he'll be definitely one of the players I go and watch, especially if he plays Anderson, Del Potro, Chilich, uh, team on one of the outside courts. I will um, 100% be going to watch that because that'll be uh, an incredible uh, match. Could be, you know, he, he's got potential to play five sets against those guys. So, um, yeah, so definitely one of my uh, one of my ones to watch early on in the year, uh, 2019. Number 14 is Kyle Edmund. So. Uh, yeah, we'll go through his results. Start of the year at number 50 in the world, so kind of, you know, been on tour a couple of years. Um, been one of those middle ground players, 50 to 100 in the world. But this year, broke through. Um, thanks to uh, a lot to the uh, semi final at the Australian Open at the start of the year. Uh, 36 wins, 21 losses, so um, didn't finish the year off strong because he had to retire, I think, for the last couple of weeks. Uh, won his first title in uh, in Belgium at the European Open, and he got to the final of another event at the start of the year. Uh, I can't remember what that was. Um, but the thing about Anderson, uh, not Anderson, uh, Edmund, is that he he has a game that relates to all surfaces. So he can play on grass. He can play. He's an all-round player, which um, a lot of these other younger players seem to only be able to play on clay or on hard court. Uh, Edwin has both. He's got proven results on a hard court, and he's also got um, he's got a good form on uh, on the clay. So he's got a lot more potential to um, to stay in the top twenty than some of the other guys who have uh, one dimensional games. So Dimitrov, he uh, so he beat Dimitrov, he beat Anderson, he beat Djokovic, and um, actually beat Djokovic on the clay courts, which uh, is why I think you know he's got the potential. He's got He's got the wins on the hard court. He beat Dimitrov at the Australian Open. Then he beat Djokovic on clay. So, I mean, you know, solid solid form on uh, on all surfaces, which um, is what you need. And if you go, if you're from the UK, um, you know, 
definitely one to, you know, to watch out for for, uh, for 2019. Start of the year off super strong. Semi-final of the Australian Open. That basically skyrocketed his ranking from 50 in the world to top 20. Um, then he kind of maintained his ranking throughout. Middle of the year wasn't great. He didn't do too well at Wimbledon. Uh, Wimbledon. I think uh, Roland Garros, he got to the second or third round. Didn't do too much there. Uh, even though he had a good clay court uh, run to that uh, second French Open, he um, he just couldn't really do much, too much in the big uh, big tournaments. Um, had to pull out of Asia, the Asian tournaments, for uh, because of a knee injury, uh, and that finished his season off as well. So he didn't play. Uh, I don't think he played in Paris. He was going to qualify for London if he had a good result there, but um, or push towards qualification, but uh, pulled out with a knee injury. So. Had a pretty long season. Obviously, started the year off really well, and then trying to maintain that, you know, that's the that's the tricky part. So, um, yeah, so solid, solid 2018. As for 2019, um, I think yeah, he's 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 kind of in the same boat as um, Cicinato in that his result is heavily de- his ranking is heavily dependent on. The big Grand Slam result, which is not good, because that means you have to do, you have to repeat what you did. And uh, whereas a guy like Sitsipas or Medvedev, they've got consistent results throughout the season. They don't have like a spike and then drop, right? So they they don't lose first round, first round, first round, semi-final, first round, first. They kind of just go, they they're even. So they don't have like the pressure of going into a tournament and. Um, and having to do the impossible thing that they did the year before and have the dream run. Um, so, yeah, so I feel like if he loses early at the Australian Open, he's going to be outside the top 30. Um, so he could, um, and that means it could be a good thing for him. It could, you know, could be a good thing, but then it could be a bad thing. We'll, we'll see how he reacts to that. Um, but, yeah, if he gets to the semifinals of the Australian Open again, that's, you know, that kind of proves that he's worth being in that top 15. I don't think he can do that just because the, the run he had was such a good run. And with players like Djokovic coming back now and Zverev um, realizing his potential and Potro being healthy, I feel like there's a lot more players that can can uh, knock Edmund out. And also being the top, you know, in the top 15 in the world and expected to make a quarterfinal or a semifinal um, because he's done it before, maybe that might put more pressure on him and he, he might lose early. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does drop out of the top 20, maybe top 30, with an early loss at the Australian Open. Uh, but then he can come back. You know, He doesn't have many points to defend during the middle of the year, so he can recover. Um, he's going to need to recover. If he can't have a good, solid middle of the year, then he might finish the year outside the top you know, top 30, top 40, because he has a lot of defense to point, uh, points to defend at the end of the year. So, um, But yeah. I feel like he can, you know, he might have a have a little bit of a tough time at the start of the year. He can't replicate last uh, this year's results, uh, but then I think he'll recover. He's got good clay court form. He can probably, if he can get a seed into uh, Roland Garros, I feel like he can uh, maybe do some damage there. If he can have a solid, uh, he lost to Djokovic, I think, at Wimbledon. So if he can avoid the big guys at Wimbledon, maybe he can with the crowd. He can. Um, Push through to uh, to maybe a quarterfinal there. Um, he's a good player and he's got proven match wins over um, over solid top ten you know, players. So I feel 
you can take those confident that confidence going into matches against these guys. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if at the start of the year he um he has a little bit of a tough time, maybe drops out of the top twenty. But yeah, he's gonna he's gonna have to you know he's gonna have to prove that he's he's worth you know his ranking spot early on in the year. All right, number thirteen. So we've got three more players to go. Number thirteen is Fabio Fognini, who I think out of all this list is probably the oldest player. I don't think we've talked about anyone who's in the top, who's who's actually number, who's uh, sorry, who's older than thirty. So one of the older guys on tour. A little bit more to talk about. He's got a little bit more, um, a little bit more uh, experience. So um, interesting to see him come back. You know, he's. He he um he's been I think as high as twelve or eleven in the world. So um you know been around since two thousand and four, as you can see there if you're watching on YouTube. Um, started the year at twenty seven, got all the way up to thirteen. Played a lot of matches, um, a hell of a lot of matches. Also won a lot of tournaments too. You know he's um that's that's what I've been going through all this list is that's what the guys who win. Funny, the guys who win the most tournaments or get to the most finals are the ones who get the rankings. Um, you know, so and that's what seems to have happened here. He's got he, had, he actually had a chance to win four tournaments, he had match points in the fourth tournament, but he lost eventually to Bernard Tomic. Um, but three tournaments, solid year 46 wins, 22 losses, so a good ratio there. Beat Dominic Team, Kyle Edmund, and Gail Morphy uh, this year. Solid wins. And then also, I think he lost to Nadal. Um, maybe at the French Open? Let me check. He lost to some good players. Well, he lost to Burdick in the fourth round of the Australian Open. So, um, solid. Uh, not a bad loss, you would say, that Burdick, maybe not a great player now. Uh, got to the fourth round of the uh, French Open, lost to Chilich in five. So that's another, you know, Terrible loss. Didn't play well at Wimbledon, so we won't worry about that. And then he lost to. Um, well, then he lost early at the US Open. So, you know, the first two Grand Slams of the year, he actually, you know, did really well. Didn't lose to players that you know, didn't lose early, and he lost. His last loss of the year was to Federer. So, I mean, uh, you can't really complain about that. Um, as I said, it beat Dominic Team uh, as well during the season. I think he beat Dominic Team in Rome when he got to uh, he got all the way to semifinals or something like that. So he, you know, beat Dominic Team on clay, which is pretty impressive. Uh, for 2019, I think that um, I think that he might be able to get to a quarterfinal. Uh, a lot. The problem I have with with Fognini is that he loses his mind sometimes and he gets angry and he has that like. And that's where he he loses matches is that he kind of he lets his emotions get the better of him. So I think that if he can maintain that and maybe get lucky and not have to play against you know Chilich or or Potro or any of those guys early on in the tournament, he can probably you know break through to a Grand Slam quarterfinal. I think he's good enough. I think he's got the experience now. He's got the ranking to help him uh, with with getting a seeding that avoids those uh, a lot of those good players um, in the top ten. But yeah, he might need to, you know, he'll probably have to beat one of the top 10 to get to the quarterfinal. But uh, I think, you know, he might be able to do it. He pushed uh, Chilich to five sets at the French Open and, you know, 
had chances to win that one. So, um, yeah, so he does have a few points to defend early in the year because of those two Grand Slam results. Um, but, you know, I think if he can have solid runs at uh, the Masters events at the start of the year and also if he can replicate a French Open or an Australian Open, maybe get to a quarterfinal, I think maybe that um, he can he can stay in, you know, in that top 15 and maybe even break through to the top 10 for the first time ever. Um, you know, I think that he is a he is a good player. You know, Fognini is a good player. And I think the thing that he has over the other guys is he has that experience now. So you know, he's got 10 years' experience over some of those guys. I feel like that could um, could play a factor in some of his matches. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I think that his mentality is the uh, the fall in his game, uh, the floor in his game. So I think that if he can keep his head screwed on in 2019, he can definitely break through to maybe a career-high ranking top 10. And also... Um, maybe even a first uh, Grand Slam uh, quarterfinal or maybe even better. We don't know. But, um, yeah, I think the Fognini could have uh, could have a good uh, a career year next year. Number 12 is Borna Chorich. So uh, I think Chorich has been spoken about for, for almost like four or five years, I want to say. Um, I think he had a, a good win early at – maybe 18 or 17 years old, or he had a really good result against Federer, I think. Um, yeah, oh, no, not Federer. Um, what do I mean, Gasquet or someone? He, he beat someone really early on in his career, and everyone was like, this is the guy. Uh, but he hasn't really you know, reached his potential until this year. This year has been the year where everyone, where he's kind of matured into the player that everyone thought he would be. And, um, and that goes, you know, shows in his ranking. He went up from 48 in the world. He was always that, you know, he was always a dangerous, unseeded player in the Grand Slams, but now he's become a seeded player, and that's you know, a lot more dangerous when you have to meet him in a semi-final. Oh, sorry, a, um, a fourth-round quarterfinal. Tw- uh, Thirty-nine and twenty was his win-loss ratio, so not not bad. About fifty percent. Uh, sorry, fifty. Whatever you want to say. Uh, twice as many wins as losses. He won his first. Uh, not his first title. I think it was, it was his second title, but he won it at. Uh, Heller in the on the grass against Federer, so a massive win, um, and then got to the final of Shanghai where he lost to Djokovic, and then he beat Federer on the way to that tournament. So uh, beat Federer twice this year, which is an impressive statistic. Uh, also beat Del Potro and also beat Zverev. So you know solid wins over top ten players. So definitely confidence booster for him. Definitely. Um, his breakthrough year this year for sure. I uh, lost to a lot of players that he, you know, didn't lose to too many like uh, shock lost players, but a lot of um, he did run into a lot of good players early in tournaments, which was a little bit tough for him, but was able to overcome and beat them later in the year, like uh, Federer. So um, let's see what else we've got here. So highlights of the year was uh, obviously the win over Federer in Hele. Hele say on the grass and then um the final of shanghai was um was obviously a highlight as well got to the fourth round of the u.s open and then also made it to uh then won the davis cup with uh, marin Cilic for croatia so finished the year off with a win with a win um there as well so very um 
Very good year. Also, lost first round of the Australian Open, so there's a lot of potential going into next year. On um, He was ranked 46, so unseeded. Lost to a local, so a lot of potential there to... Um, to, uh, to rise up the ranking. Lotra Schwartzman at Roland Garros in the third round. So again, that's not a terrible loss. That one isn't a terrible loss. Lost to Del Potro at the US Open in the fourth round, not a terrible loss. A terrible loss was when he lost to Medvedev in the first round of Wimbledon. So that one there was probably disappointed, especially because he came off a win the week before. So I think that was that was a little bit of a shock for him. But then looking at, this, look at the results now, Medvedev, is now a solid top 10 player. So he won't have to run into him early on in the year uh, next year. Uh, as for 2019, I, yeah, I think that he has a big chance to get into the top 10. Uh, even even in the first couple of weeks of the year, you know, he doesn't have any points to defend at the Australian Open. So I think that if he can break through and make, you know, make it to a fourth round or maybe even get to a quarterfinal for the first time in a Grand Slam, I think he's definitely going to be, you know, uh, he's up there in the top 10, has those solid wins over over those top 10 players, obviously beating Federer um, a couple of times this year. So he's got the confidence that he can beat those guys. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think we might see him in the top 10 early on. Um, yeah, he showed late in the year that he could beat Del Potro and Federer in big matches. So if he can use that confidence into the start of the year, I think he might have to get lucky. But if he could play, if he had to play Anderson or or even um, Nishikori in the first couple of weeks, a couple of uh, matches at the Australian Open, I think he can beat those guys. You know? Oh, he has a chance. Maybe not be able to beat him, but he has a chance. Uh, I think we are only starting to see Ch- uh, Chorich's potential. And I think that next year he'll win a, a couple more titles. He only won one. I think that, yeah, he can, you know, definitely win a couple of titles and cement his top top 20 spot, maybe even get into the top 10, and we might see him in London at the end of the next year. Um, he's got a little bit more experience than the guys that are the same age as him in, like, Hashinov, Sitsipas, and Medvedev, even Edmund. He's got more experience. He's also got more confidence. He's played bigger matches, all that kind of stuff. So I think that he's more – he's got more potential to get to, like, one of these quarterfinals, semifinals, uh, potentially in a Grand Slam. So I think that um, – yeah, he, he is more likely than the other guys to make a mark on the Grand Slams. But um, I think, yeah, I think we'll be talking about him uh, this time next year as well as a top 10 player. Maybe even, you know, top 20 definitely, maybe maybe even a top 10. So it be interesting uh, to see him continue to rise up the rankings. And the final player that we're going through uh, this week, this is part one, is... Um, Kind of a surprise, and uh, it's interesting because he, he kind of made his mark late in the season, very late in the season. Uh, it wasn't probably around 17, 18 in the world, but because of that last week, uh, really smashed it. Uh, so it's Kareen Hashinov, uh, the 22-year-old Russian, ranked number 11. Big, big player, you know, nearly two metres tall. Um, really started to come into... His own and looking, going through this, doing this exercise and going through all the tournaments, watching him, seeing the players that he lost to at these events, and then seeing how he beat them at the end of the year has been really interesting to see his game evolve over the last 12 months. Uh, started the year at 45, so not too different to uh, Chorich uh, or even like a Medvedev or um, or Sitsipas. 
and Edmund as well, uh, you know, ra- raised his ranking, really broke through this year as the next gen kind of guy. Coming through uh, 34 spots up, he uh, has a re- has a record of 46 and 22, and he also won three titles this year. So everyone, you know, we're all talking about the Paris win, obviously one of the best wins of his career, one of the shock losses for Djokovic this year, all that kind of stuff. But he made he won two other titles this year, so it's not like he's not a he doesn't know how to win a title. If that was his first title, then yeah, maybe we could. It would be more of a shock, but it wasn't actually as big a shock as everyone kind of, and even myself, thought it was. Um, obviously, being the world number one who was on a winning streak is a shock, but you know, he is a good player. He is a, a solid you know, solid player in big matches. He beat uh, Zverev, Djokovic, obviously, and he also beat John Isner twice this year. So, um, very interesting. And he is kind of a John Isner-like player. Big, you know, big ground strokes. Very awkward looking forehand, but big ground strokes, uh, big serve, which um, which can trouble some of those other players. You know, he has the weapons to to um, to beat those big guys, you know, those big players. Um, so yeah, let's have a look at his highlights. So highlights, obviously, being the win in Paris, kind of made his mark, almost made it to London, which is crazy. Um, it would have been really interesting to see him play the. Um, World Tour Finals. I think if he jumped in instead of Isner, I think it would have been a way more interesting tournament for, uh, and what, there would have been more upsets. I don't think Isner really showed what he can do. Whereas uh, Hashinov would have gone in there with nothing to, you know, nothing to prove and just maybe even won a couple of matches. So it would have been interesting. Uh, yeah. So you know, uh, for such a long young player, he only he was losing to he only lost to um, quality players at the Grand Slams. So um, being number 11 in the world, he won't have to play those guys until later in the tournament. But at the start of the year, he lost to Delpo, uh, he lost to Zverev, he lost to Djokovic, and then he lost to Nadal. So um, if you're losing to those guys at Grand Slams, and I think he lost to Zverev in five sets. So if you're losing to those guys in the Grand Slams, you're losing to the top five. I mean, you're, not, you're doing pretty well. So I think, uh, you know, if we look at the, if he played those guys this, uh, sorry, next year, those matches are quarterfinals and semifinals. Um, it just so happened that this year they were, you know, second round, third round, fourth round, third round, or something like that. But if he's playing, if he has to play against Del Potro, Zverev, Djokovic, or Nadal in a Grand Slam, it's going to be a quarterfinal because he's ranked number eleven. So um, yeah, that'll be super interesting to see um, him play. And I think that like he's like kind of like the Sitsipas. I, I think that because he's had those. He's had big wins over good players. He's also had good results over good players. I think that he can really, you know, shake things up. Uh, maybe knock one of these good guys out of a grand slam and then open the door for somebody new to come in and along the way, or maybe even break through himself. Uh, so we added two more titles, uh, two titles along the way. Oh, sorry, three titles along the way. I uh, finished number eleven in the world, obviously. Um, can, yeah, and, and considering that over the last couple of years, he was kind of at number 50. For 18 months, he'd been like hovering around number 50, so he never really did anything. And then this year, he just catapulted to the next level um, along with those you know, those solid results. So um, it's been a really good year, um, obviously with the exclamation mark of winning in Paris at the end of the year. Um, yeah, it should be interesting to see how he goes next year. So next year. Um, I think he has a massive chance to jump in the top 10. 
Um, he's got the game to prove it. He's got the wins to prove it. He's got the confidence. Um, and like I said, he, he looks like he's kind of like a John Isner kind of player, so he can probably replace John Isner in the top 10, potentially. Um, I think he can make a quarter, he'll probably make a quarterfinal of a Grand Slam. Uh, like I said, he's unlucky this year, lost to all, uh, lost to four of the top five players in the world at Grand Slam level. Um, and with his ranking, he won't have to play them. So I think he can make a quarterfinal, maybe even the Australian Open quarterfinals. Who knows? It's always the Australian Open always throws up a new the new guys. So I mean, having it would be so it actually would be really awesome to see, you know, um, Hashinov, Sitsipas, um, who else we got? Um, maybe even Medvedev. Um, seeing those guys at um, in the Australian Open quarterfinals against Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, Zverev um, team and. Del Potro. I mean, that'd be just insane. I think that'd be the best quarterfinals um, you could put you could put together if uh, if you could you know manufacture that and the draw works out. So, um, like I said, doesn't have many points to defend in the uh, start of the year. So if he does have a solid result at the Australian Open, that's when he'll go through the next uh, next uh, you know next level of his um, career. And also. Um, yeah, even if he doesn't do well at the Australian Open, uh, he, if he makes a solid attempt at the first couple of Masters events, you know, in Indian, uh, Indian Wells or Miami, um, I think that might be enough to push him through too. Because he didn't do too well at those tournaments to start the year. I don't think he didn't. He didn't light the world on fire. I think he might have lost to Del Potro twice. Um, oh no, he lost the first round, and then he lost to Anderson in the second. Uh, so he lost the first round of Indian Wells, and then the second. Round uh, third round of Miami, so he's got no points to defend there either. Um, so I feel like that, and then he had a massive. No, he didn't have a massive break. What am I saying? And then he lost to like Nadal on clay, Goffin on clay, um, and then Zverev at the, at the uh, French Open. So I mean, crazy potential. So to go up into the top ten in the start of the year, um, insane. So the only issue I have, but okay. <laughs> but the only issue I have with Hashnov is um, is because he won Paris. Um, there's going to be a lot of people looking at him, and that's probably why I'm so excited because I'm like, oh, everyone's going to be able to like see what this guy's really made of. But that could hurt him because everyone's going to look at him and be like, this guy's going to win, and then you know, he might lose to someone and be like, what a shock, you know, shock loss against uh, an unranked you know, player in the second round. So that's the only problem is that. If he's the favourite going into most of these uh, matches, see how he re- reacts to being the favourite for the first time in his career. Usually he's the underdog because he was 50 in the world, um, you know, never not expected to beat all those guys. But now because he's beaten Djokovic and stuff like that, he'll be going into tournaments going, well, he'll definitely beat, you know, um, I can't even think of a player. He'll definitely beat Richard Gasquet in the first round. Or he'll definitely beat, you know, um, whoever else is in the top 50 in the second, third round. But then that's when he might lose because he might think that he can win and expect it to win and he loses. You know. So that's what that's where I think he'll, you know, he'll struggle. But we'll see how it goes early. As I said, would not be shocked if he made the quarterfinals of the Australian Open in the first Grand Slam of the year and, you know, really got into that top 10 and really um, pushed – Push through into the top 10. So 
that would be super interesting to see him play play at the start of next year. Okay. So that is the first part of this two-part um, podcast. I'll do the next part next week. That was a, a long podcast. So thanks, everyone, for hanging in there. Um, you know, nearly an hour and a half. A lot of, lot of things to discuss with, um, with the rankings. Uh, next week, we're going through the top 10. So make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you do all that kind of stuff. If you're uh, listening to this podcast, go to the YouTube channel. Um, these videos are going to be coming out, coming out in bite-sized chunks. So we're going to be breaking it down, um, doing um, per player rather than just a big mess. So, um, yeah, so if you want to re-watch you know, one, of the, one of your favorite players, you can go on the YouTube channel and check that out. Um, but, yeah, thank you again uh, for hanging in there with me and listening to the whole thing. Uh, give a thumbs up on the video if you're watching. Uh, if you're not watching, um, appreciate everyone who listens to the podcast. Next week, we're going through the top 10. And uh, there was a couple of interesting players in the top 10. Uh, Nishikori and Djokovic, they weren't in the top 10 last year. So we have those guys to talk about. We had Zverev, who's on the comeback. And I think next week uh, with the top 10, it's going to be more about um, talking about where these guys are going to be next year. So more than this year is more, uh, this week has been more about the guys coming up, how they've done this year, and what a shock some of those guys have been. Next week, it's going to be about the guys we know and how they're going to be next year. So next week's episode should be interesting in a different way um, to uh, to this one. This one's more like an introduction on who are half of these players. Um, and, yeah, like I said, go to the website. Um, go to the website and check out all of the tournament-by-tournament tournament breakdown. Every single, every single player, every single tournament has been broken down uh, with a little bit of a storyline. Um, so go check that out. Uh, we've got plenty of tennis uh, tennis information on there. Um, also, it's you know we've got I think we've got we start the season on the thirtieth of December, so we've only got like four more weeks to go until we start you know start the new year the new year. So um, yeah, it, uh, I tell you, it has been a little bit frustrating not having any tennis on because it just doesn't you know just want to be able to talk about something something to do with tennis but uh um we can't really do anything with that anything at the moment because there's nothing going on so um this rankings breakdown is you know, is as good as it's going to get for now um but yeah like i said next week we've got the podcast it's going to be 10 to 1 and um thanks everyone for watching we'll have a look at the live chat see if there's anyone talking uh i'm in the live stream hey angelo what's up Shannon, he sucks. Who who sucks? <laughs> what player? <laughs> um, but yeah, and then uh, we'll be doing a lot more. I'll I'll be adding a uh, like a lot more. Um, what do you call it? A lot more graphics and stuff uh, going into the new year as well. So we're gonna have a whole new format. We're gonna have a better camera. I had to use a webcam again today because. Uh, I'm still waiting on some of the other equipment. So, um, uh, yeah, and hopefully get a better microphone, better backgrounds, better um, graphics on the screen. So new and improved um, channel next year. So, um, 
make sure you subscribe to the channel for that. But um, yeah, if that's it, I'm going to uh, sign off. So again, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening if you are listening. And we will see you next week for part two of this season 2018 breakdown slash player review. Thank you.